Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We worship you with song, we worship you with noise, we worship you with our presence. Here we have come together to exalt you. Father, we pray to you, we praise you, the all-knowing, all-powerful God. You're worthy of your name. We hallow your name in this place. And King Jesus, we worship you. So thankful to you, Lord Jesus, that the celebration of Easter is an everyday celebration for the believer. We praise you, Jesus, as the one who died for us, was buried and rose again. We look forward to the day when we see you face to face. Until that day, King Jesus. We praise you, we exalt you, we offer to you gratitude, we want to hear from you, Holy Spirit, convict us, teach us, change us, encourage us. I pray, Father, today, any in this room never had their sins forgiven, they are not, they don't have a personal relationship with you, I pray today would be the day that someone would come to know you. Lord Jesus, work in this place. We love you. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You be seated. That was great encouragement to worship the Lord with you today already in song and now in word. We've come to the end of our study in the Gospel of Matthew, and I've asked our student pastor Taylor Krauss if he would come and finish our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Taylor serves as our student pastor here. He's here with his wife Heather. I want him to preach this passage from Matthew 28. It's the area that I've seen God work so much in his life whether in China or in Boston or Florida or right here in our own community. Making. I'm not, okay. not going to preach your sermon brother. <laughs> But uh, right here in our own community, and uh, y'all show some love to Taylor, and uh, we're glad to have you preach the word this morning. Amen. Thank you, Carlos. I'm grateful for this church family. I came here as a college student uh, about six or seven years ago, and this church really became home to me. And so I'm grateful for each of you, grateful to serve as your student pastor, I love these students, and I love being able to share with them what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ and prepare them as they go out into a world uh, that they could continue following Christ after they leave our student ministry. 
I want you to meet my family as well. I've got a picture of them up on the screen. This is my wife Heather and our son Jack. He is two years old, so y'all pray for us, please. Um, we are getting bossed around in our own home. I don't know how this has happened. Uh, I'm sure I was not that type of kid. My parents are here somewhere, and they can certainly attest to that as well. Um, I want to start today by going back about five years ago to 2017. Uh, that may be six years. I'm not great at math, but y'all stay with me. Uh, I had the opportunity, as Carlos said, to move overseas for a year to China. I got a couple pictures of our group there. Um, this is us. It's super blurry. We didn't have great cameras. That's okay. We would wake up at 2 a.m. for Georgia games. I don't know why, but we would do it for the dogs. And I've got one more, I believe. Uh, I'm the tall white guy in the middle of that as we're playing basketball. One of the hobbies as I was over there, the team was led by Cliff and Rebecca Barnett. He's in that picture to the right of me. And one of his hobbies that he had there was woodworking. And so I want to show you something. I don't know how many of you noticed this this morning. Any woodworkers in the room? Anybody know what this is? A couple? Maybe? All right, one or two or three. All right, this is called a pocket hole jig. And what this tool allows you to do is to join two pieces of wood together and hide the screws on the inside. So all you DIY furniture builders probably have one of those. Um, if you buy something that's really nice and it has pocket holes, uh, you kind of got ripped off because this is a, just a simple, basic tool. But as we were building different pieces of furniture, I was over there and I was really just helping him finish up these different pieces he was building. We didn't have access to a lot of furniture, so he was building pretty much everything they had in their home. And we finished this project. We'd worked on it for several months. We moved it into his house. And we'd spent like several months working on this thing. Uh, we'd go out to his wood shop a couple nights a week and just work on it together. And so as we finished it, I kind of just was like, well, well now, now what do we do? We're, we're done. I don't, I don't really know what to do now. And after we finished that, he looked at me and he said, all right, Taylor, now you're going to build something. Before you move back, you're going to build something. He'd been preparing me, teaching me how to use this tool, how to join wood together, how to stain, how to finish. He was teaching me all those things and preparing me so that I could go build something myself. And so I decided to build a dresser. I don't have a picture of that for you. It was very bad, very ugly. I don't want to show that off. But I was able to finish a dresser. We're in this series in Matthew called The King. And I want to show you why this last passage is such a big deal for us. To do that, we've got to go back a little bit. If we go back to Genesis, we see how God created us, male and female, made in his image. And to put us in a perfect world where we could follow and love him. But we know that Adam and Eve did not follow his will. They chose their own. This brought sin into the world. But we see there a hope a future promise of a Savior who's going to come and undo the effects of sin. And so all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets and the kings, they point towards this Savior, saying this Savior is coming. And we get to Matthew, and we see the birth of this Savior. He is here. 
And he's saying, I am king. I'm here to bring my kingdom. And I'm here to die on the cross for your sins. Is this okay? Can I keep rolling with this? All right. The king is saying, I'm here to die for your sins. And he does that. And then he rises from the grave. And so you hear that story and you're like, it's amazing. It's the gospel. Is that it though? Is that the end? No, that's not the end for us. We're here in Matthew chapter 28. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. This is the great commission for us. Some context of what's happened as you're turning there in the last chapter or so is that Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the grave, and then he's appeared to Mary and Mary Magdalene and he said, go get the brothers, go get the disciples, tell them to meet me in Galilee. And that's where we pick up here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want us to see here, as we may be asking, well, now what? Now what happens in the story? That disciples are called to make disciples. Disciples are called to make disciples. This is for all of us. This is not just for the few. This is not just for the ones who move overseas. This is not just for pastors or teachers. This is for all of us who know Jesus Christ in the room. Disciples are called to go make disciples. And for us today, this morning, I want to give you four points on how we go and make disciples. Four points on how we go make disciples. And the first one is that we go because of Jesus' authority. We go because of Jesus' authority. Look back at verse 18. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the beginning of the Great Commission. Jesus is reminding the disciples and he's reminding us why he's able to give us these orders. Because he's been given all authority. He is king. And he has the authority to say this to us. And this is confirmed Elsewhere in scripture, Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27, this is going to be up on the screen. Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Jesus is declaring that the Father has given him authority over all things. John three thirty five says, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Elsewhere in scripture, we see the authority of Jesus Christ confirmed. And Jesus has the authority to commission us to go make disciples. I want you to know this is more than just a master giving instructions to an apprentice. This is more than someone who's more talented at woodworking teaching someone who's less talented. This is the king giving us a commission. Telling us our orders that are to go make disciples. But why, why does it matter that Jesus has said that he has authority? 
I want to show you just for a minute how much authority matters. How many of you this morning drove here from downtown Watkinsville? Just show a raise of hands. All right. About half, maybe a third of the room came in from downtown Watkinsville. All right. As you know, as you turn on to Simonton Bridge Road, right before you go over the hill, there's this little crest. And right at that crest, there is a speed limit sign. You can see it on the screen there. All right. Now, I'm not here to debate if it should be 25 or 35. Y'all can decide that on your own. And if you drive like me, unfortunately too fast, I kind of see this speed limit sign sometimes as a, as a suggestion. It's like, I, I maybe should go that fast. All right, the blinking light, they tried to get people like me like, no, you should really listen to this sign. But as you know, as you turn the corner and go down the hill and you look to your left, right there at the cemetery, there's usually what? A police officer. And the reaction when you see the police officer is far different. All right, you are hitting the brakes as fast as you can. In that moment, this speed limit sign versus a police officer, those are two different levels of authority. That speed limit sign cannot write you a ticket. It cannot issue a citation. It cannot make you pay a fine. I'm not paying your speeding ticket if you got one this morning. You don't have to raise your hand for that. But the police officer can. There's a different level of authority. And what Jesus is telling us this morning, he's saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And as a result of that authority, I, your king, am commissioning you to go make disciples. So we go make disciples from this authority. And church, today, this should give you extreme confidence that you go from the authority of Jesus Christ to make disciples. He has not given us a message that is inferior to any other message. We know that Jesus is the only name that can save. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That name is Jesus Christ. We can try many things to escape the brokenness of this world. In my own life, I pursued money and success. I thought if I can make enough money, then I will be able to escape the brokenness of this world. Or if I can be successful enough on the athletic field or in my career, I can escape the brokenness of this world. I know many of you in the room probably have a story like that where you've tried something to escape the brokenness of the world. But no, Jesus Christ is the only name that can help us escape brokenness. We need forgiveness of his sins. And we go and we take that message to a lost and dying world who needs forgiveness of their sins. This message is not inferior. This is the message that we've been commissioned to go and share by our team. So we go and make disciples from Jesus' authority. Where do we go? This is our second point. We go to all people. We go to the nations. Look at verse 19. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This word nations, it does not mean geographical nations like a different country, but it means people group. And what a people group is, is it's a distinct group of people with a common name and self-identity. 
You may be asking, I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand that definition. But a, a question to ask is, is a people group different than another one? Could be, can the gospel be easily shared to this group without barriers? An example of a barrier would be maybe a different culture or different relationships or even different languages. And people who study people groups, it's estimated that there's 17,000 people groups in our world today. 17,000. And we know that from Revelation 7, that all of those people groups, all of those nations will be before the throne worshiping him. This is how we sang the song, I'm fighting a battle that's already won. We're going to share with those nations, but we know in the end they will all be worshiping the Lord. Look at what it says right here. It's going to be up on the screen for you. After this, I look, this is a vision, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All tribes, all peoples, and all nations, all people groups will be worshiping our God on the throne. This is why our church has adopted one of these people groups to go and reach those people. It's called the Bing people. We have even have a team over there right now seeking to catalyze the church planning movement that we're seeing to begin there. Our church wants to play a part in bringing the nations before the throne. And so... You may be sitting here listening to this and you're wondering, so what do I do with that information? Am I supposed to leave this room today and go buy a plane ticket and then go overseas? Well, for some of you in the room, maybe. I'm praying that there's somebody in the room here who would go and make disciples amongst the Bing people. That may be your story today. That It was because of this church faithfully proclaiming this message that I made that decision to move overseas. The Lord moved in my heart through this message being faithfully proclaimed to go to the nations that I had the opportunity to move overseas to China. And so maybe that's how the Lord has called you today. I'd love to talk with you about that. That decision wasn't just laid out for me all in one week. It was just simple, faithful steps in obedience towards the Lord's calling. And so for you today, that may be a faithful step of obedience that you need to make. I'd love to talk with you about what that looks like. That's for some of us. But for most of us in the room, for most of us, we're called to live out this great commission right here where we're at. Right here where you live. Somebody may be called to go across the world. But all of us in here are called to go across the street to our neighbors. Each and every one of us. All disciples make disciples. I want you to notice something in Scripture. If you go back to Matthew 4, when Jesus calls the first disciples, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's saying, fishers of men. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. If you look right here in Matthew 28, he says to his disciples, 
he says to go make disciples. In both instances there, we see that followers of Christ are called to reproduce followers. We're all called to go and make disciples. So you may be sitting here wondering, well, I don't know how. How do I go and make disciples? I see this truth. I feel convicted. How do I go make disciples? Well, I want to give you just one tool. I want to give you one tool today that you can go and make disciples. We learned about this pocket hole jig. It's one tool that's used to bring two pieces of wood together. It's just one. There's many other ways. This is one tool that you can use to make disciples. It's called a 15-second testimony, and it goes like this. There was a time in my life where I was blank and blank, and in those two blanks, you put in one word that describes your life before you knew Jesus. But then I met Jesus, and now I am blank and blank. And so there you put two words that describe your life after Jesus. And then you ask the question, do you have a story like that? So often when we go and share the gospel or share our testimony, it can feel like a presentation. And you, you finish sharing it, and it's like, okay, cool, see you later. But asking that question simply turns it into a conversation where you're sharing with someone about how Christ has changed your life. Let me share mine with you. There was a time in my life where I was greedy and selfish, but then I met Jesus and he changed me. And now I'm seeking, now I'm living a life that I can give and seek to serve others. Do you have a story like that? You'd be amazed at how much this changes a conversation. We even teach our students how to share this. And I've asked a student to come here this morning. Her name is Emily Antoine. Can y'all welcome Emily to the stage? So Emily, can you share your 15-second testimony with us? Hey, my name is Emily. And there was a time in my life when I was anxious and I was self-centered. Then I met Jesus and I made him the king of my life. And now I'm confident in my identity in him and in my purpose. Do you have a story like that? Thank you. You'd be amazed at how much sharing this changes a conversation. I want to give you an example of that. A couple weeks ago, I have been hanging out with this guy. We've been playing basketball some together. And we know each other kind of on a surface level. But I just asked him, I said, hey, do you want to go get lunch? And so we decided to go get lunch. We're hanging out. We're getting to know each other a little bit. And I'm praying as we're talking, Lord, give me an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with this guy. And Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And so we're talking a little bit. And eventually it comes up in the conversation where I'm able to share, yeah, I moved overseas for a year to China after I graduated. Um, I was teaching English there. It was, a, it was an awesome experience. And then he, he asked the question, Taylor, what made you want to move to China? I was like, thank you, Lord. There it is. I appreciate that. I said, well, there was a time in my life where I pursued riches and success. But then I met Jesus and he changed me. And now I seek his kingdom and to serve him. And that's really what led to me moving to China. Do you have a story like that? And in that moment, at this restaurant in Athens, 
what was a superficial lunch, just getting to know each other, turned into a spiritual conversation. And I was able to share the gospel with this guy. He, he actually didn't end up believing in Jesus, but that's okay. That's not my job. It's not my job to save this person. It's my job to simply be faithful and going and making disciples to all the nations. And so my question for you this morning is, are you being faithful in making disciples? We're called to go on Jesus' authority to all the nations. This is for all of us in the room. And I hope today that you don't feel guilty about this, but that you feel empowered. That you know, I have a tool now I can use to make disciples. That's a simple way that you can share what Christ has done in your own life. And if you're sitting in the room this morning and you think, hey, I don't have a story like that. Well, you can today. You can surrender your life to Jesus Christ this morning, right here, right now. If you feel the Spirit calling you to surrender your life to Jesus, please do that. And I'd love to talk with you about what it looks like to follow Christ. Come see me after the service. Don't let this become more complicated than it is. All right, we go to all the nations. All right, our third point today is that we go to baptize and teach. We go to baptize and teach. Look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So making disciples starts with sharing the gospel, going to all the nations, and when they believe, we baptize them and teach them what it looks like to follow Jesus. Baptism is simply a public declaration of your faith. You're displaying on the outside what has taken place on the inside. You're saying, my life is no longer ruled by sin. My life is no longer in darkness, but I'm living a new life as following Christ. So if you haven't followed through with believers' baptism this morning, I would encourage you to do that. Come find me, come find Carlos, come find somebody at the welcome desk in the lobby and follow through with believers' baptism, publicly declaring what Christ has done in your own life. Last week through our Easter services, we gave out a response card and we had over 200 people declare saying I either want I either have surrendered my life to Christ or I want to follow through with believers baptism amen to that praise God for that and hopefully some of you who filled out that response card are in the room today because of that decision that you've made and so I hope today you're getting a very clear picture a clear look at what discipleship looks like sharing the gospel with others, baptizing them when they believe, and then teaching them what it looks like to follow Christ. Teaching others what it looks like to follow Christ. How do we do that? How do you teach someone else what it looks like to follow Jesus? I think we tend to overcomplicate this. We, we, we think that discipleship is this far out, far reaching thing. But it's really quite simple. Just spend time in this book. Spend time in the manual that we've been given to learn what it looks like to live a life that honors the Lord. And then go teach that to someone else. All right, it, 
I think that there's a lot of tools out there that can be helpful. There's many books. There's many series. There's many podcasts that can help you disciple others. But nothing beats spending time in this book. Don't seek to overcomplicate discipleship. There's several things in life that can seem very complex on the outside. Do we have any, any gardeners in the room? Carlos said I had to use a gardening illustration if I preach, so here it is. I'm with my wife's family down in South Georgia. She's from Moultrie, the 229, and we're going to get some vegetables out of the garden. That's what I'm told. And so when I think of a garden, this is kind of the picture that I have in my head. I'm like, okay, we're just going to go get some vegetables. Pretty simple. And so we get on this golf cart, and we drive out to this field, and this is actually what this place is. I mean, that, that is a garden. Her granddad, his name's Daddy Ray, he calls this his personal garden. And I, I'm like in, in shock. I'm in awe. I'm like, how does this happen? How do you grow tomatoes and corn and four other vegetables that I've never heard the name of in one garden? And so I go to Daddy Ray, and I'm asking him all these questions. I'm like, how do you grow this, and when's harvest time for this? And he's just kind of smiling and laughing at me. And every question that I can think of that I think is so complex is so simple to him. And the reason that it's so simple is because he's spent time, and he's learned how to do it. And then he's went out and done it. And through years and a wealth of experience, he has learned what it is like to grow crops. So for you in the room who are following Jesus, don't overcomplicate this. Just spend time in this book. Learn what it's like to go and make disciples and then teach others what you're learning. It really is quite simple for discipleship. And so we go because of Jesus' authority. We go to all people. We go to baptize and teach. And then our fourth point today is that we go with the Holy Spirit. We go with the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at verse 20. At the end of it, it says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our King, Jesus, who has all authority, has given us this commission to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them and teaching them to observe and that seems like an insurmountable task it seems like we can't do it alone and the good news for you is that you can't you cannot do this on your own power you need help and you've gotten it Christ has given it to us he's given us the Holy Spirit and as we turn over as we see in Acts 2 in Scripture we see the fulfillment of this promise where the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles and those there. And so if you're a follower of Jesus in the room this morning, I want you to know that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to help you complete this mission, to give you wisdom, to give you strength, to calm your nerves, to give you the words to say, to help you go make disciples. We're all called to go make disciples. You don't have to do this alone. I can think back to a time where I was in China and I, and I had this teacher friend. His English name was Bill. Such a unique name to choose, but he, that was the name he chose. 
and Bill did not know Jesus. He still doesn't know Jesus, but I can remember a time where he was sitting in my apartment, and I was trying to share the gospel with him. And I'd been trained. I felt prepared. I felt really adequate to go and share the gospel. And so I, I start to share the gospel with him. It gets into a spiritual conversation. And as I'm sharing, I think, man, Bill's really interested. He's going to believe in Jesus. This is why the Lord has sent me here. So I started to get fired up. And I finished my gospel presentation. And I say, so Bill, do you want to believe in Jesus? And he looks at me and he says, no, I was really just thinking we could go watch a movie. Oh, I felt so defeated in that moment. But I realized something right then. I realized that the Holy Spirit works in a lot of different ways. I realized that if I feel inadequate, the Holy Spirit can give me peace and really give me the words to say. But when I feel adequate and I think, man, I... I can really show off what I got to share. I've got a really good message here. And I can, I can share this on my own. I'll get humbled really fast. And the Holy Spirit reminds me, Taylor, you're just a vessel. You're just a vessel that's put here on this earth to go and make disciples, to share the message of Jesus Christ. That's why I've put you here. Not on your own power, but through my power. So for you in the room, I don't know where you're at in your ability or your thoughts on how to go and share the gospel. But I want you to know that Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And if you're nervous at the thought of sharing the gospel and making disciples terrifies you, the Holy Spirit will bring you peace. But if you feel adequate and you're leaning towards pride, I want to encourage you not to fall into that. That you're just a vessel to proclaim the good news of Christ and the only reason you can proclaim it is because Christ has done that already in your own life remember his grace over yourself so whatever camp you fall into rely on the Holy Spirit this morning I want to give you three practical ways three takeaways that you can go and make disciples this week they're going to be up on the screen the first one is I want you to write down the name of one person you can share the gospel with this week. I don't, I don't know what name just popped into your head, what non-believer you know, but write down that name. A couple years ago, we did a, a campaign called Who's Your One? Who is your one that you can go and share the gospel with? Second takeaway, share your 15-second testimony. Start praying right now, Lord, give me an opportunity that I can go and share my 15-second testimony with somebody this week. Could be at a coffee shop, could be at a restaurant, could be getting lunch with an old friend. Share what the Lord has done in your own life. And the third one, if you've been saved, follow through with believer's baptism. If last week during our Easter services you proclaimed life in Jesus Christ, follow through with believer's baptism. Come find me the welcome desk or somewhere somebody after the service so Caleb and the band are gonna come on up and we're gonna sing here for just a minute if you can just leave those takeaways on the screen though I want you to I want to share something with you as you go I grew up playing a lot of basketball and my junior year we had about 12 or 13 guys on the team now if you're familiar with the game of basketball anybody know how many players get to play it's a cheat code, five. 
five get to play. Now, I was not one of those five. All right, I was number 12 or 13. And that year wasn't that fun for me because I, I loved to play and I wasn't able to go out and play. But the reality for all of us in the room, for all who are on Christ's team, we all get to go play. You don't have to sit on the sidelines. Jesus even says, that's not an option. You've got to go play. All disciples are called to go make disciples. Go make disciples this week. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for these people. I pray that they would feel empowered this morning. That they would know their commission to go and make disciples on your authority. And I pray that they would all have an opportunity to share what you've done in their life this week. That that would lead to a spiritual conversation and an opportunity to share the gospel with a lost and dying world that's around us. Let us seek to praise your name. Amen.